Welcome to Your Business, Your Life with Matt DeFrancesco, your personal financial technician. Whether you've had years of success in your business or just starting out, Highlift Financial can help you create a vision for your business, life, and family, and align these for generational wealth. As they say, what happens in your life affects your business. And now, on to the show. Well, hello, and welcome to Your Business, Your Life with me, Matt DeFrancesco. And, uh, you know, I, I have a little different guest today, I guess, uh, but I think he brings a lot of insights because he's got um, some great experience in a lot of different areas. So today I've got Jeff Gargas on. He's the COO and he's the co-founder of Teach Better Team, which are they're the creators of teachbetter.com, The Grid Method, and Teach Further. And he's also the co-author of the book, Teach Better. And what he does is he works with educators to increase uh, student engagement and improve student success. And he also offers one-on-one coaching to teachers who have a product or an idea that they think can enhance the student's um, uh, education. So prior to that, he was a, he's an entrepreneur. He was the owner of ENI Multimedia, which is an online marketing firm, uh, helped entrepreneurs and small businesses with web design, social media content, and brand awareness, which is kind of the area that we're going to be focusing on today. And prior to this, he was an adjunct professor at Kent State University, and he spent uh, more than 10 years in the music industry, which we never really got a chance to talk about too much, Jeff. We so. didn't. We didn't dive into that. That could be like a whole nother episode. It's a whole nother. That's a yeah, crazy exactly. <laughs> and it's actually funny that because I'm a, I'm a music aficionado and I have I, I have my guitar here. I took lessons for about three years and I just kind of muddle around with it. So I always have people say, oh, play something for me. I'm like, no. <laughs> That's not going to happen. So, but anyway, uh, he's spoken at numerous conferences around the country and he's successfully uh, uh, promoted more than 500 events and he's launched seven businesses in a variety of industries. So, I think this variety of background that Jeff brings to the table uh, is going to be something that can provide value because, you know, business is business, whether in the collision industry or we're in any other industry. And and a lot of the ideas that I think Jeff's going to bring to the table are going to be very beneficial because, you know, as we know, many uh, shop owners, who are great technicians, but struggle sometimes with the business end. So uh, I'm really excited to have Jeff on to kind of provide some insights, just business in general, on how to create a brand and awareness. So Jeff, uh, welcome to your business, your life. Man, that was a heck of an intro, man. You kind of set the bar <laughs> high today. I, uh... I, I, well, hey, just I do the best I can. So I'm excited to be here, though, man. Really excited to talk, and, and if I can share some sort of value, that's that's awesome. That's a win for me. So I'm excited about it. Perfect. Perfect. So, well, let's just kind of dive in because I know, you know, we, as I talked about in the bio as an entrepreneur and a coach, you know, you talk a lot about building a brand and building a community. And, but in, like I said, in the collision world, uh, these terms are kind of foreign to uh, shop owners. Like I said, a lot of them are technicians, but you know, as far as, you know, more advanced business knowledge, sometimes they struggle with that. So can you explain what it means to build a brand and then also to build a community around that brand? Because I think that's going to be a very important direction for shop owners to go here in the future. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think brand is something, you know, you hear a lot about brand and brand and you got to build brand, you got to, you know, brand all your stuff and what is brand. And I think so often we think of brand, we think of things like, our logo, our colors, our uniform, the actual name we pick for a business, right. things like that as a brand. And that is, those are all parts of branding, right? But what your brand actually is, is the way that people feel about 
uh, or, or the way people feel, the emotional reaction people have to your name, to your logo, when they walk into your shop, when they see your colors. And so we use things like logos and colors and things like that to display our brand, but those things aren't really worth anything without a brand, right? An awesome logo is great, but the thing that makes that logo actually powerful from a business standpoint is the emotional response that it that triggers in people. I'm using that word trigger, and I understand that like trigger sometimes typically in today's world has like a negative right, uh, yeah. connection to it. Uh-huh. But the truth is you can trigger good things, right? You can trigger you can trigger happiness and excitement and pride and even optimism and positivity. So your brand is is should be and the goal should be to have your brand trigger those good things in people. So so really you want to think about your brand is, is the, is it's your reputation, right? right? So part of, if you're a great technician and you can work on every, any car and you do a great job and people just know when they walk out of your shop that I'm safe now, that's part of your brand. That's right. right? That's your brand, right? If they know that I'm going to get a fair estimate and, they, and it's going to be accurate and I'm not going to get tricked into anything or sold something that I don't actually need, like that's part of your brand. Right. On the reverse side, if they think or feel that, you know, you're going to add things on that they don't really need. And you can tell them something needs replaced earlier than it does and things like that. Like that's also part of your brand, your brand go negative. So your brand is that emotional response that people have when they, again, see your logo, walk into your shop, hear your name in a conversation. And the way I kind of think about it is like, it's your reputation. Like I, for me, it's, you want to build your brand to the point where I heard this once. I can't remember who it was. I don't know if it was Gary Vaynerchuk or someone. It was like, mm-hmm. in 20 years after I, or 20 years from now, or I guess it doesn't matter what it is, you're out to eat with some friends or whatever, and my name comes up. So my name could be your your shop's name, right? Right. And you're not there to defend it. Someone else will. And that's your brand. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Because someone says, no, 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 you're wrong. I know that. I know those people. I, I know Matt. I know that. Like, And that's they're good people. They do good work. You're not. You know what I mean? That's your brand. You want that. And so then that connects into your community, right? So for me, community, when I say community, it's, it's the people you serve. So right. this could like, this could be your actual community, right? The people that live in your, uh, in and around, you know, around your shop, right? But it's also the people that you interact with and serve virtually, right? Through your website, your online content, things of that nature. And so for me, building a strong brand and strong community go hand in hand, because I believe that's what allows like us smaller business owners to compete with the big guys, Right. Like there's massive corporations that somehow, Matt, we talked about this when we met uh, last week, but somehow always find their way into like everything, right? Because mm-hmm. they see a little bit of money and they come and it makes it really tough for us little guys. Right. And I think that the catch is like, you're never going to compete with Walmart, right? The Walmart, you know, insert big name here on price and product availability, right. like the, ver- the variety of products or even the efficiency. But I think it's a lot harder for a Walmart to win people's hearts, right? Yeah. And I think people will surprise you. People pay more money all the time for things because they enjoy the shopping or service experience more. Um, they trust the people that they're the service person or the salesperson, and they like those people. Um, right. People will go do that. And I think I share this with you. One thing I always joke about with our team, right? We work with teachers, right? We do right. professional development and stuff for teachers. I always joke that I want to build our brand so strong that in like, if in 10 years we wanted to sell shoes, that school teachers and schools and districts would buy those shoes because they believe and they trust us enough to know, well, Teach Better says these are going to help us, then we know that they're going to help us. And now I always joke, I could figure out how we can actually help them with shoes. But the point is, that's your brand. And I think that's that's the thing that survives all the other things is your your brand. So 
Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, um, I've told the story before. So I have one of my clients who's got a very successful shop mm-hmm. and uh, it's well-known within the community. And when COVID hit, uh, he went to his local um, parochial school. They asked him to come in to, to be kind of an advisory committee because they were trying to figure out how to uh, how to move forward in COVID. And so, you know, he's at this meeting and, and he's not one of these guys, you know, like, like most shop owners, like they got to be going, you know, and, and mm-hmm. so he's getting bored. So he kind of gets up and starts walking around the school and he sees, you know, sees the desks in one of the classroom. He's like, oh, I wonder, I think that's, I wonder if one of the, that's, that was my old desk there. And then he starts thinking about it and he's like, you know, what if we built these shields that we could put up, you know, that would kind of encapsulate the kids. And then he's mm-hmm. like, but then, you know, it's going to take up some desk space so I could put accessory pieces on. And so he's had this idea and then he's like, okay, but he goes, you know, if I, if I make it with plexiglass and it gets bumped or broken, now you've got a jagged edge. Well, he mm-hmm. used to race cars. So he uh, went to a buddy of his who he raced with and they took the material that they used to make uh, race car windshields. And he's like, can you make one of these? He gave them, the, took a desk down, made the dimensions and they made one of these shields. And he went out and he sold like 500 of them. All right. And it was, it was, I think you know, it, it, it ties into your point because it wasn't just, I mean, it's a great idea, but it was also, I think his reputation that people then, um, uh, you know, they trusted him on this because mm-hmm. he had built that sense of community around it. Well, and that's also, I guarantee that I don't like saying guarantee, but I'm pretty positive <laughs> that also built his brand as a shop owner too, because right. now they're like, he's not just a shop owner. He's part of this community. He stepped up when we needed them. And he proved again and again, that he's a, he's a good person. He, he was looking out for people. He's, he's smart clearly. Right. And right. so that's going to make me, especially if my kids in school or I'm a teacher, I'm now more likely to go to his shop next time my car needs fixed too. Exactly. So that's all part of Right. He, that's his brand. Yeah. His brand became his, his brand in that moment, whether it might've already been there, but that for sure in that moment, stop being, I'm a car tech guy and became, I'm someone you come to for help. Right. And that's what, right. Isn't that what we want to be as, I mean, if you're, if you're a mechanic and you're a shop, that's what you want. You want to, you're the person that people come to when they need help. Right. right? Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. I, I do. I do that all the time. I mean, and even, even if I'm, you know, I'm not the expert in a certain area because I'm a financial guy. All right. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I do. I'm very good at helping people to create visions for their families and then uh, put a plan in place and help them to, to implement the plan. But the other, I think, piece of value I try to bring to the table is that I've got this network of people, outside people that when they have a problem that's outside my area of expertise, mm-hmm. they can come to me to get them directed to the right person. And I can help yeah. coordinate that solution. And I think that's part of trying to build the brand also. Yeah, you're, you're an I know a guy guy. Yeah, exactly. I got, I had a mentor of mine tell me that gosh, probably 10 plus years ago. He's like, you know what I figured out about you? And I'm like, what? I'm like, I don't know what this is going to go with my boss. <laughs> you're an, I know a guy guy. And I'm like, I, sure. He goes, you're always thinking like, how can I connect this guy to this guy or this yeah. girl, to this girl guy or this people here to help them? He goes, and you never like think like what's in it for you. You're just trying to connect them. And I'm like, right. yeah, I'm like, huh? Like, so that's kind of my part of my brand, right? Is yeah. I might not be able to, be the one who actually does the work to help you, but I'm still someone you come to for help because, you know, just like you were saying there, Matt, like I can still come to you for help because there's a good chance, you know, someone that can help me with my problem. 
Right. And that's a, that's, well, you, you, you know, you talk about your client there, right? He didn't have all the tools and everything he needed. He had to go to someone else. Exactly. So his connections, again, that was another a great example there tied all together. So, yeah, exactly. You yeah. Know, it's, and it's interesting, especially, and you hit, I think, a nail on the head where you talked about, you know, trying to compete with the big boys. And right now mm-hmm. in the industry, there's a lot of uh, large consolidators who are looking for profitable shops in very attractive mm-hmm. markets and offering good money to buy these shops. But that's probably going to last for the next year, maybe two years. And so here's the independent shop owner going, how am I going to survive? And, you know, the insurance companies drive so much of this business that, you know, again, you know, they're they're hamstringing these shop owners who want to do quality work and saying, we're all only going to pay for this. Mm-hmm. So now they've got to trigger, figure out how to try to evolve and to be able to provide the type of service that they choose to be and also get paid for it, whether it's by an insurance company or by the um, or, or by the customer. Mm-hmm. All right. And that's always the big um, the argument. Who is the customer? Is it the insurance company or is it the client? My feeling would be it's the client, because if I'm not getting my car back, repaired properly. If it's, yeah, I had a, I had a jet, a TDI that I, um, I had been in an accident with and I took it to a shop and, uh, they gave it back to me and all these lights were coming on. So I had to send it back. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, well, we have to send it down to, you know, 30, uh, 40 miles away from me to another, to the VW dealership, because they didn't know how to solve it. Came back, still wasn't fixed. It took me three visits and I'll never go back there. So I guess that's really, um, you know, the, the question I have for you with them trying to differentiate themselves, why, why is this so important? Building the brand in the community is so important. Yeah, building the community. I want to talk a little yeah. bit more about that because I think, you know, building the brand, you know, is, is pretty obvious. I think mm-hmm. it's by the quality that they have. But again, now trying to build a community where somebody says, hey, my insurance company is telling me to go to this big consolidator, mm-hmm. but. I've had a great experience over here. Yeah. Why? Yeah. How, how do we, how do we get them? How do we get those, those customers to say, no, Mr. Insurance company, this is where I'm going. So, so I actually think not to get, not to like repeat, but I think it goes back to the, to the brand because I, I just think community and brand go so well together. But I also, I think the insurance agencies, and this is easier said than done, independent on who they are. Right. They have to become part of that community too. I, and they do right um, now depending on how, what kind of control and how they set up, like the agent may not have a lot of control, but your local insurance agent possibly has a say in who they direct to possibly can influence that can advocate for you. And that is built by them being part of your community as well. Uh-huh. And why wouldn't they want to be part of your community? They want all those people to be their customers too. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of synergy there. And I think that the key is it's, it's both, right. It's both things. I think, you know, going back to the, the brand in the community thing, like, you said it, you said it a little bit here. And, and when we talked to like the industry has changed, all industries change right? We're going to see more changes in, in all industries over the next 10 years than we've seen in the last 20, just because yeah. of the rate at which technology is changing. Um, and I think you shared a stat with like the idea of like what the projected the number of like computer chips and stuff like that in right yeah. points in, in cars is just absurd. Right. So that's all changing. So the, the, my thing is the services and your service model today, like in 10 years, it's not going to be the same. Right. It might not even be recognizable. Yeah. But what, and so the model you have right now is not going to survive the next 10 years, period. Right. But what can survive is that community and that brand. And if you build that community and you have that, 
that connection. And like you said, that, that those people that fight for you and say, well, yeah, my insurance says this, but I'm not no Mr. Sale, sale, uh, insurance man. I'm going here because that's the people that take care of me that will survive. And right. that also allows, allows you and gives you the grace and the time to evolve and to stumble through the changes and figure it out and, and, and learn that. Right. And I think, I hope, I think, insurance is going to go through a similar process as well yeah. because that that industry is also getting disrupted a lot it's become a lot harder to where insurance companies have as much power probably doesn't feel that way as a shop owner because right. there's so much right but but it is it's going through a big change because a lot of people figured out what it like that you can do that on a smaller scale you can do that with less um I guess for lack of a term, less greed, right? right. And, 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 and take care of people versus taking care of your bottom line. And I think that's going to help because then those insurance agents and those insurance companies are going to not only want to be, but need to be a part of these communities yeah. and connected, right? Because they are the customer for your shop, right? Right. Like if, if I'm an insurance agent and my insurance company is sending all my people to Joe's shop and he does a horrible job, I'm going to lose all my clients. Right. Well, any of my clients that have been in accidents, which are the ones that pay me more money, right? Like, like because I get to raise their insurance rates after that, right? So, right. so I want to know that I'm selling people. That's why you get things that are like certified shops. And I know a lot of that is there's money involved too. Right. But eventually, I believe as we move further and further into the world of decentralization and all this stuff, which is a whole other ball game, but it's going to force some of these things to change too. Yes. And I believe that with all these changes, it's community, it's brand, it's those connections, those networks that are going to survive that type of thing. Okay. Yeah. You know, and as you were saying that, I was thinking about, I was actually kind of comparing, cause I know a lot of teachers and I, and so I think you can speak very well to this because uh, teach it's, uh, some, uh, there, there's, there's uh, a good number of teachers that are somewhere to shop owners where maybe they identify the changes need to be made, but they're so afraid because this is the way we've done things mm-hmm. forever. Okay. Um, that they get paralyzed. How are some ways that you help teachers and that would could translate into shop owners into yeah. kind of getting over that paralysis of analysis to, and then to start to embrace change. I love that. That's such a good question. Um, for us, it's small changes. So this is actually really, I'm going to try and do short. I don't do short. Well, so <laughs> that's okay. So like our company, we start, everything started with a, a, a framework that we use that we train on called the grid method. Okay. It's a framework for utilizing master learning. And it was created by my co-founder, his classroom. And it's, it's insanely powerful. We're seeing just ridiculous results. I mean, we're, we're taking schools from F ratings to, to B ratings in years. Like it's, wow. it's really incredible and, we're, it, and it works really well, but it's a big shift because it really shifts a lot of the, it shifts the, the idea of what a teacher's job is in the classroom from deliverer of content right. to uh, facilitative learning because the fact of the matter is it's no longer a teacher's job to stand up there and deliver the info because kids can get that from their phone faster and from a billion of resources. It's right. now their job to, to help students take that information and learn what they're supposed to from it. And so it, tend, it puts a lot of the ownership and the control back to the students and less on the teachers, okay. which is a good thing in so many ways, but yeah. it's a big shift, right? Right. Because I'm, I'm used, I'm supposed to be in the front of the classroom. I'm supposed to talk to them and share things because I'm the expert and stuff. So what we realized was that even with all this info that said, Hey, this is how, like, there's literally decades of data that's a, that says that lecturing is not the best practice and that these right. methods are, but that doesn't make it easy. Yeah. And we realized early on, we're like, wow, okay, some people are ready for this and go that others are not ready for this at all. Right. They see it, but it scares the heck out of them. And so we started going, okay, how do we break this down into really, really small pieces, right. really inch, inch by inch steps. It goes into our, our, our tagline, our, our motto is better today than you were yesterday, better tomorrow than you were t- 
today. Right. And what we always harp on is, hey, we're saying better. One, we're not saying perfect. And we're also not saying better by a long margin, right? Little teeny things. What little things can we do to, to go, right? right? So for teachers, it's maybe I just change the way that I'm assessing and I stop looking at as assessment or grading at the end point, but rather it's the actually data to help me know what I should teach them next versus cutting them off. This is how smart you are now and you're done. It's, oh no, I'm using how you did on this quiz to tell me where your gaps are and what I need to do f- for the future or yeah. little things like that, changing the way to look at grades or using some technology to make things more efficient. Like little, it's little steps versus I'm going to change everything. And right. we found that that works incredibly well. Oh, that's And great. I think it's the same when you look at businesses looking to shift from the traditional types of marketing and sales, right? It used to be billboards and ads and stuff like that. Now it's, well, should I be on social media? Should I be right? It's all these different things. And the data we get from them that we can look at is different. So it's scary. It's not as easy to measure sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's little things, right? It's the little thing of like, okay, we're not going to change everything, mm-hmm. but maybe, maybe we're going to do some Facebook stuff or maybe we're going to do some social media stuff. Um, we're not going to go crazy, but maybe we'll do some videos on YouTube of, of how to understand your car better. So you know when to bring it in, so little things like that, right? right? So I think it all comes down to, it's for lack of a better term, baby steps, Yeah, like just a little bit of time. But I think it starts with recognizing that the world and progress doesn't care about your nostalgia and like whether you're going to, whether you wanted to change or not, it's going to change. It's yeah. just the reality of it. It's a matter of how, it's a matter of how soon it's going to change. And are you going to be there? And I think so often we see people who are like, who appear to be fortune tellers seeing the changes coming. Mm-hmm. And if you really dig in it, they didn't necessarily see the changes coming. They saw the changes already happening and they decided not to fight it. And they went with it. And those are the guys and gals that win in my opinion. Right. And so small changes. It doesn't have to be crazy. It's a lot easier when it's there and it's a lot less scary, right? Cause yeah. you can, you can, you can try and mess up and it's not going to ruin everything. Right. So exactly. if you mess up on some Facebook ads or Google ad campaigns, it's okay. Cause you're still doing the postcards and the, the commercials locally and stuff like that. Right. If you mess up on a couple uh, videos, whatever, that's okay. Because you're just, you're just testing it. So I think, I think it's, it's recognizing it and just Baby steps. I'm yeah. stuck with baby steps. Is like just I think that works. Yeah, you know, and I so. think you're right because I, you know, I kind of look at my, you know, kind of my evolution even in financial services, and it was it was really baby steps. I always remember there was a motivational speaker I heard years and years ago, a guy named Morris Goodman, and he used to always say, "Inch by inch, it's a cinch. Yard mm-hmm. by yard, it's hard." And I think sometimes when we look at change, we think we have to make these massive changes, but maybe maybe it's little steps at a time, like you said. And I think that's what I've been able to do. You know, I went from traditional uh, wirehouse financial services to, you know, starting to focus on the family business, which then evolved into starting my independent um, shop, which then went to going RIA to then focusing on, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, collision shop owners. And it was just in little increments, but you know, you can chew on those things, but some of it is the experimentation, you know, absolutely hundred percent. A funny story I had. Um, so my marketing team said they want to run this email campaign. And so they got this list and they sent it out to all these different collision shop owners. And uh, one was, hey, answer this survey and we'll buy your shop a dozen donuts. Okay. And then there was another one that had, you know, um, schedule, a, schedule a 30 minute intro call and we'll buy your shop lunch. Uh, we got zero response. Zero. So anyway, I'm talking to my coach and tell him about this. And, and he gets thinking, he goes, you know, he goes, um, why don't we use reciprocity in the correct way? And he said, what if you, what if you sent them a dozen donuts first? Mm-hmm. So 
I did this. So I, I pulled a list of shops and it was on a Friday and I, I, I went on Grubhub and like ordered a dozen donuts to like 10 of them. And, um, you know, on Grubhub, you get the notification when they're delivered and, you know, get to deliver it, call them up, say, Hey, I'm Matthew Francesco from Highland Financial. I'm the guy who sent you the donuts. I had conversations with every single one of them. And again, yeah. it was, took some experimentation to do. Yeah, that's awesome. But, you know, I have in my morning ritual, one of my, one of my uh, uh, power phrases is let's get uncomfortable today. And mm-hmm. I think we just need to kind of keep the attitude that let's get a little uncomfortable every day, just a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Just, and, and that's the key, right? You, it's, it's, it's just a little bit. I love that story though, because so many people who did, were used to traditional type stuff, maybe didn't believe as much in email marketing and what would have went, well, this obviously doesn't work. I already knew that because they right. went there, maybe the initial biases do that versus going, wait a minute. Okay. Nope. I'm going to like this. Clearly all the data supports that email marketing is still today, still one of the best marketing tactics you can have. Right. But like, by long shot. So it's like, okay, I'm going to put some effort in. So I love the fact that you were like, well, that didn't work. So <laughs> let me, let me instead make the purchase first. Right. So you actually chose the more expensive route potentially. Right. Right. right to do it, but, but it worked. Right. Cause in, in, for me that hits so hard home because you helped them first. So we, we built everything. I'm a, a huge believer in help versus sell. Yeah. So we focus everything on helping. So that's why there's just, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things on our site that you can get for free value. When we built our business originally with Chad, I told him, I'm like, I want to build our business so that someone could come to our website, take the free course, download blogs, ask questions, do it, and effectively run the grid method in their classroom without ever paying us a dime. Wow. And he's like, and he was literally like, I thought you said we were going to make money. And I said, <laughs> yeah, if we do that enough times, people will want to work with us. Right. And they will gladly pay us for what we do because they'll th- they'll say, man, we can do this, but it'd be a whole lot better with Chad and Jeff, or it would be more efficient, or I could do it on a bigger scale with Chad and Jeff, or I just really like these guys and I got some funding. So, you know, so I'm not selling shop owners to give away all their stuff, but I'm saying it's the idea of what you did there is you switched from, Hey, can you do something for me? And then I'll give you something to, let me do something nice for you. You already have it. You can say no to me now and you still got the donuts. Exactly. Just hang up on me. Right. But you, and, and for them that eases it, they're no longer on guard. They're like, Oh, yeah, I can just hang up on you. I'm eating. I already ate the donuts. I already gone, dude. Like, I don't, you got nothing on me right now. Yeah. You gave them the leverage and that made them ease up. So now they're like, oh, yeah, I'll share it with you. Like, why not? Like, right. You know, so now I'm going to give you everything you wanted. So it's just to me, that's so powerful. So, I yeah. Love story. You know, and thinking about the collision industry, I mean, I think it's simple things like, <laughs> you know, a lot of times um, insurance companies, you know, will force the shop owner to do, um, you know, photo estimates. All right. Mm-hmm. So you take a picture and then you send them in the insurance company and said, okay, here's what we're paying for. Problem is, and every shop owner knows this, you don't know what the damage is until you get that car apart. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's a real problem. And so, um, I, you know, I, and I've had a couple other guests that have talked about how, you know, setting the expectation with the customer and saying, look, we're going to do these photos, but we want to tear the car apart and really get, and, and we'll fight for you with the insurance company. Mm -hmm. We'll fight for you because a lot of times the insurance company say, we're only, we'll only pay this. And the shop owner or actually the customer can come back and say, well, show me in the policy where this is not covered. So for example, um, a shop owner wants to use an after, or the insurance company wants them to use an aftermarket part, but yet the shop owner is like, no, we really need to use the um, uh, MSOs part. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
you know, the first off, the customer can always go back to the insurance company and says, look, show me in your policy where it states that that I cannot use manufacturer parts. But mm-hmm. I think the next step, and this is where, you know, maybe it's taking some risk where the insurance, where the shop owner does that for the customer. Sure. Or or educate your customers before it even happens. Right. And then this oh, is where, this where like yeah, content marketing like comes in, right? This is where making videos and, and ebooks and all these things that you're giving away that free value for. And of course, you have to estimate whether you have the capacity to do that as a shop owner, but like educating your community on, hey, this is how this process works. I hope you never get in an accident and you never have to do this. But if you do, I hope you bring it to us. And just so you know, this is what to look for. This is your rights. Here's how insurance companies work. And this is why not vilifying the insurance companies, yeah. but noting that, hey, look, their job is to make money. Like they want you to use the cheapest parts. However, that doesn't mean you always have to, right? Right. And so here's how you do that. Here's how we can help or how your shop can help, or this is what you can do. Here's the process. That's why we like to take the thing apart before we take pictures. So if that happens and the, the thing is you educate them in a sense of not come see us. Right. It's a, Hey, you know, whether you come to us or anyone else, this is what you should be thinking about. This is how this process works because then they're going to come to you. You know, I love looking back at YouTube. I remember when YouTube was nothing but like cat videos, <laughs> like there, there were no tutorials on there, right? right. Nothing until Home Depot started doing it. And Home, yeah, Home Depot, they're one of the first big brands that started okay. doing it. Okay. They started doing things like how to install a toilet. Yep. And the coolest thing about it is if you look back at their very, their, their very early videos where they're installing toilets, there were no Home Depot branded. They wore an orange, uh, their orange, what is it, aprons? Like they were, yeah, yeah. But, but not with the logo on it. Oh, just just Tom, the, the plumber guy that works for for Home Depot, putting a toilet. But if I'm watching that video because I'm going to install my toilet and I went, oh, man, I need to buy a toilet. I need to get I don't have my I don't have wrenches because I just got, you know, just moved out of my own. I don't have what a da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. Who do you think I'm going to? Yeah. The guy who just told me how to do it. And that's how that works. Right. So it's the same with the shop. It's not selling. It's, hey, here's what's to think about. And if I'm going, oh, man, I'm an accident. Oh, you know what? Don't let it put in those, those cheap parts. I, I can fight for myself. Who taught me that? Oh, Joe's auto did. I'm going to Joe. Right. Because I already trust them yeah. before I ever needed them. Like that's to me, that's community. Is I, that, when that's they brilliant. need you, they think of you because you never, because, and for me, and this doesn't, this is just me because I never, I never sold you anything. Right. I just gave you value so that then when you need something, you came to me because you thought of me because you like me and I don't sell you anything. Yeah. Like I and I don't mean to keep going on this whole sell thing, but I, I used to be in the fat in the fast food industry and it was hilarious because and I worked for an Arby's and okay. still love the Arby's corporation. And we had an um the greeting like when people pull up to the drive-thru, we would say, Welcome to Arby's. What can I get for you today? Nine out of ten people that came through map responded with, No, thanks, I'm good. Because every other restaurant says, Hi, welcome to so-and-so. Would you like a they're yeah. selling you from the second pull up. They would literally answer, no, thanks. I'm good. And, and we'd have to be like, great to hear that you're great. I'm good too. What can I get for you today? And they're like, oh crap. Like you didn't sell me. I just responded that way. It's just people are sold everywhere. So if you're the people that don't do that and you, you educate them instead, they're going to want to work with you. That's, that's exactly right. This is reality. Are some people going to take that and go somewhere else? Yep. They sure are. You know, you they're going to go somewhere else potentially anyway. Yeah. So who, yeah. Like, you don't, you know what I mean? So. We, you know, that's community. But yeah, my coach talks about that a lot is this idea of abundance versus scarcity. And I think too many times mm-hmm. as business owners, we think that there's this finite universe of, of customers and clients that we can have. And it really mm-hmm. isn't. I mean, we only need so many. There, we've only got so much capacity. 
mm-hmm. whether we're, you know, yeah. whether we're a shop and we only have X number of bays or I'm an individual working with clients or, you know, yep. working with teachers, you know, there's only so much capacity that we have. So we don't need everybody. And I think when we start uh, having, you can't have, a, you of, couldn't handle everybody. Exactly. Right? Like, exactly. But when you have more, of, if you have more of a mindset of abundance, you're much more likely, I think it calms you. Yeah. You know, that's, it, it's crazy. Thing that something that used to boggle my mind when I was younger, back when malls were a thing, you know, malls are kind of on the way yeah. out. Yeah. But, and, and from a shop owner's perspective, you ever remember going like driving to mall at like two in the afternoon and yeah. seeing the parking lot? There were thousands and thousands and thousands of cars yeah. at two in the afternoon yeah. when most people are working. And I'm, and that was like, I never realized I'm like, wow, there are a lot of people and there are a lot of cars just in my city, not even like, then you go, okay, what about my state? And like, you can't even fathom the number of cars that are on the road. Yeah. There's plenty of business. That's right. It's if you feel like you're hurting, it's because they're just not coming to you. So you got to figure out why not? And how do you fix that? How do you educate them? How do you win them? Because, you know, the reality is there's some people that are getting business that aren't doing the right things. And we often look and go, oh, that means I should do those. No, like they're eventually they're going to get found out and they're going to go out of business. Right. Because- the community is going to say, no, don't go to those. They, He's creepy or he he tries to trick you or they upped my sale. It cost me three times as much because they added on three things that I didn't really need. Like, so yeah. it's, it's about building that trust and transparency. And again, I keep going, it's, that's your brand and that's your community. Right? right. And I think that's, there's, there's a lot you can do. I think there's a lot of space in the specific to this, the industry of like shop owners and stuff. There's a lot of creative spaces there that, aren't tapped yet that you can stand out on the way that you share your, your, uh, your value and knowledge, like content, stuff like that. I think there's a lot there. Yeah. People can have some fun with. So within their capacity, of course. Oh, of course, of course. And, you know, and I think that's really a lot of the guests that I've been talking with, especially that are specifically in the industry. We've been talking about this idea of how shop owners need to become more entrepreneurial. And sometimes that scares them, but it's really Mm -hmm. just a, it's really just a mindset shift and thinking, how can I do things something differently? So pretty cool but anyway it's not always about how do i build a big massive company it's right how do i just do what i'm doing a little bit better tomorrow that's right that's right inch by inch is a cinch right absolutely yes i love it yeah well hey jeff uh just in closing here because i know we're at time uh how can the audience find you sure so everything you know connect with the teams it's just teachbetter.com we make it pretty simple there the team is at teachbetter team on every social network that's out there uh i'm active on on twitter instagram and tiktok so twitter i'm just at jeff gargas okay so j-e-f-f-g-a-r-g-a-s at instagram there's a underscore there it's at underscore jeff gargas and then on tiktok i'm jeff gargas as well so um i love the connects of i i you know anybody's listening and says man i have some ideas and stuff you want to grab a virtual cup of coffee and just brainstorm how your shop can build this kind of brand and stuff like that. I'm all for it. So that's, that's great. That's great. Um, and, and we'll have all this in the show notes anyway. Absolutely. So yeah. It'll be easy, easy to remember, but I want to, Jeff, I, this was awesome. I think we could just go on and on with a lot of this stuff. <laughs> you know, Agreed. Um, Agreed. but I just, I try to keep this in, in biteable chunks for, for the audience. So, so thank you for being on the last thanks always goes out to you, the audience. Thank you for uh, being uh, listening to your business, your life with me, Matt DeFrancesco. If you've not subscribed to the podcast, please click the subscribe 
subscribe now button below. And that way, when, when a new episode comes out, you can easily download it to any device you want. And also it makes it easy to share with your family and friends. And also, if you like the content that we have, please give us a five-star review. Uh, that way we can get to more listeners. So again, I want to thank you for listening. And from all of us here at uh, High Live Financial, thanks for listening. Make this uh, every day your best day and uh, let's make things happen. So take care and God bless. Hey, I really want to thank you for listening to the Your Business, Your Life podcast. If you want to be notified when new episodes become available, click the subscribe button below. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of High Lift Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment, legal, or tax advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified professional with any questions you may have regarding your business or personal planning. DeFrancesco Financial Concierge, LLC, DBA, High Lift Financial, is a registered investment advisor. Registration with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any state security authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training.